<laughs> my, my sore throat. Easy. No worse for the wear. Welcome back to Calling All Beings. I'm your host, DJ, and this is a new format we're doing. I've been talking about it forever. And Nathan made it come to fruition with the help of our Bigfoot brother, Matthew Knapp. We're going to get into him in a little bit. And this is called Off the Meter. <laughs> I love it. So Nathan is always looking to make this stuff better. But yeah, um, the, the master of making names for shows took a cue uh, as we were in chat with Matt Knapp, uh, one of our cab family. And Nathan's like, oh, boom. So uh, that right there, <laughs> that gentleman sitting uh, to my left is the executive producer, the technical director, and my partner, brother, in co-conspirator in fun, entertaining, and interesting talk about the unknown. Money Nathan. That's what we're here to do, man. We are here to explore the unknown. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this format. We don't do this a lot. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff happening in the UFO space every week. And we thought, hey, why don't we try to do a show like this once a month where we can just chat about the current events It'll be kind of like a space. We'll have some people pop in and out every once in a while. We'll get questions from the audience. I think it'll be really fun. Looking forward to it. That's a great idea to do it like a space. So yeah, if there, we could think about, you know, if there's uh, somebody out there that's in the chat that uh, has something to say that is in fact a uh, G or PG rated, uh, then it's possible we can uh, DM you the link and, and you can join us on air to ask your question live. So that would be pretty dope. Uh, but before we even get into that, let us talk about our lovely and talented paragon of UAP community virtue of uh, the wonderful and amazing at study of UAPs, Debs. Debs, Thank I you. bow to you, sister. Oh, that was very sweet. I appreciate that. It's bringing me joy just to be with you guys here today. Uh, Yay! We love you, Deb. And the community loves you. You just... So many people, this uh, unique way that, that you connect with people. So, um, yeah, I was just talking to Priscilla, man. She is toughing it out right now while her husband is serving overseas. It is one. Hey, what's going on, Mike Roberts? Um, it, it's one of those tough things. And, uh, you know, but who's keeping in contact with her? Dubs. So, you know, go figure. So anyway, let me uh, say hello to people in the chat. And then we have some dedications. And, and we also want to do something for disclosure team, but uh, Duncan Freire, very popular name in, in Brazil, except there's an I in there. So hello, Duncan. Andrew, what's up? How are you? Joining on uh, Twitter. Uh, Marshmallow, how are you? Uh, I remember you from Ghostbusters. It's pretty scary, actually, looking in that, in that film. Um, and Mike Roberts, uh, thank you for, for shouting it out. Yeah, um, I know it, you know, it irritates people. It's become a thing, man. I don't, I don't know what to say. Not to say that we'll continue it forever, but we're enjoying it. Um, right now, though, what we want to do, Nathan and Debs, is to uh, talk about Julie uh, at Jewels of the Wood, uh, the Jewel of Indiana. We call her. We're dedicating this show to our um, chat moderator, Julie. Um, who is a multiple experiencer. She's an extremely positive force uh, in the community, and she's in the hospital tonight uh, battling uh, an illness, uh, the second time iteration battling the same issue. So take it away, Nathan. 
Yeah, look, it's hard to do a show, period. And it's hard to keep track of, you know, folks that are in in the chat and uh, keep the chat moving, positive. Julie just does that so well. She's just been kind of the uh, the extra hand on the on the side that no nobody really knows is a part of the show, but she's really part of the show. She's 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 a cab cabbie through and through, and we couldn't do the shows without her. So I really you know, we, we miss her tonight. We wish her well, a speedy recovery, quick healing. Um, and for those of you who are watching and want to send her some good, good vibes, that would be most appreciated. Debs, do you have anything about Julie uh, as yes. a community member? Um, she is actually connected to a lot of shows. Um, and she has a lot of friends in the community. She has done a lot for UAP Med. Um, she is part of the Spaced Out uh, radio community as well. And and she's just a great person. And that's why people come to her um, because she's warm and loving to everybody. So of course, I'm sending her healing vibes wow. right now and hoping that she'll be back with us soon. Yeah, we love you, Julie. Thank you so much. And Godspeed in this recovery. Hopefully, uh, this will clear like it did last time. Uh, welcome. So we have someone in there that says H-I. I know it says N-H-I. So hello. Uh, now, if you are, in fact, a non-human intelligence, um, do you have Exoacademian's phone number so I can call and bug him? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and uh, Cliff C. C. Senor. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, so welcome. So I'll try to do. Oh, it's so it's in. Uh, Frere is his brother in French. Oh, that is so awesome. Wow. Even better, Duncan, because uh, that is one of the ways that I typically um, I refer to people as brother um, and, unless they, you know, are like, hey, DJ, I can't stand you. Then maybe I'll <laughs> stop doing that. But but yeah, gen generally speaking. Um, I, I, so, yeah, I like, love that that's the meaning of your name. Uh, I will have to ask my Brazilian friend. Uh, the Freire, that's how they say it in, in Portuguese and find out if, if that is the meaning there. So anyway, thank you everybody for joining us. Um, want to uh, pump up now somebody that we are co-promoting with, uh, our friend Vinny, who is in fact here in North Carolina at the moment. Uh, he is the host of Disclosure Team. Uh, there you see Disclosure Team with Vinny Adams. Um, I don't know how many, uh, well over 10,000 subscribers, I think on YouTube. I don't even know how many followers he has. Uh, who started this through Instagram um, was how he started and then finally decided that after uh, chit-chatting back and forth with people on Instagram that he was going to get into this and and start a show. And I, Nathan, I've never seen anybody, first of all, someone that is able, universally is able to connect uh, with, we were just talking about that skill with Debs and 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 Vinny has that skill as well. I mean, he just went to France and emceed an international event held in multiple languages that where Jacques Vallée was was present. Um, he has an amazing show. So, uh, what are your thoughts about Vinny and his show? Uh, it's one of the best out there, I think. Uh, Vinny, like you said, what he does is he makes it look so easy. Uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting him a couple of times in person, uh, both in the UK and in the US. Uh, he's just a, a really nice guy, easy to get along with, easy to talk to, incredibly knowledgeable as well. 
uh, I think, you know, not a lot of people know this, but he had, had been researching UFOs for many, many, many years before he decided to kind of dip his toe into the social media space and start talking about it. And just like you said, as soon as he did, things just kind of blew up and he's he's had all the biggest guests. He had as excellent questions and he's just he's just a good guy. He's a you know, he's he's uh, great in terms of the networking that he does. He's great in terms of supporting shows. Um, you know, we, we couldn't be happier to kind of be a partner with him and, and to pump up his show. And uh, we've had him on our show a few times as well and look forward he's, to having yes. him back. <laughs> Debs. So that is a very tall man, first of all. <laughs> that yeah. is a, an impression <laughs> that you just tall. can't get away from. But he's also very serious about this topic and dedicated. And the fact that he has traveled as much as he has to multiple countries on this topic speaks a lot. I am often impressed with um, his questions. Like, you know, I'm like, I want to be this good when I ask questions. That's what comes into my mind when I watch his show. So he's definitely um, one of those people that people should be paying attention to. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all I can think of is when the biggest name in the community in, in broadcasting at the time was Max, Max Moskowitz from the Netherlands, who had had on Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon, and, and Avi Loeb on the same show. Like when Vinny popped on the scene, he immediately gravitated to Vinny and was like, dude, we got to do a show together, you know, come to the Netherlands. We got to do some joint, joint projects. I mean, that's the kind of pull that Vinny has. So uh, check out Disclosure Team in the show notes. Uh, Nathan will have uh, up his X, his uh, uh, Twitter handle and his Instagram handle, which is uh, at, on, uh, there it is, at Disclosure Team on X underscore. And then on Insta, it is at Disclosure underscore team. And we will have all of that plus his YouTube in our show notes. And with that, Nathan, let's get this, man. Absolutely. All right. So, uh Guys, I, re I made a little list, okay? I made a list before we went on the show of just the things that are going on right now. There's a lot happening, as you all know. And we could talk for several hours about the latest things that are going on. But I just want to list a few of them. And, and maybe I've missed them all, Deb. I know you've got, like, incredible list as well. So let's see if I've covered the things that have happened just in the last, really, week or 10 days. So we had Diana Pasolka, who is on with Jesse Michaels on his show, uh, Alchemy American, an excellent interview. If you haven't listened to that interviewer, it's really actually more of a conversation. If you haven't listened to that conversation with her and Jesse, you've got to do that, add that to your watch list. It was really, really interesting. And they, they, took, they, they went into territory that she doesn't usually go into, which I found particularly fascinating. Then we also had a re-released episode uh, or long form interview that Ross Colthart had done with Gary Nolan and we had heard clips of that interview, but not the, the whole segment. So that's also really good content uh, to kind of, in a way, like go back in time and look at where the conversation was happening with Ross and Gary before all of the momentum to the Schumer Rounds Amendment started building. And we've got Schumer Rounds, right? That was the big sort of issue, this legislative uh, language that was put into the NDAA that was passed by the Senate. But then that went into all kinds of shenanigans when it got to the House. Uh, that that huge sort of part of the NDA was scrapped in, in place of a much smaller piece of a legislative lang language proposed by the, by the House and, and sort of crafted in conference as well. And that NDA has, has passed. I don't think Biden has signed it yet, but it is 
finally passed in both houses. It's not the robust language that we would have wanted to see, but it is a start. And that's, I think, an exciting thing to celebrate. Um, on top of that, we had both Schumer, Senator Chuck Schumer, and Senator Rounds speaking on the floor of the Senate, kind of pointing fingers at the House in terms of how they torpedoed their language and saying that they still are committed to getting this done. They're still going to be advocating for this and pushing it forward. So really a, 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 a big thing to say, to put their kind of weight behind it, even in the face of defeat of the language that they proposed. I think that that, that was quite a bit of a, an interesting, uh, I didn't expect them to, to, to do that. And then lastly, we just recently had uh, David Grush on with Tucker Carlson. That was a really long interview. Uh, David Grush is, you know, kind of continuing oh. to put his name out there and uh, make some, some bold claims. And like a lot of folks, we're, we're, we're really eager to see those claims uh, be, be verified, additional information come forward and, and hear, you know, kind of facts to back up what he's saying. So, uh, you know, guys, those are just some things that I wrote down that have happened in the last several days. Uh, did I miss anything? What else is on your, your mind? I, I just I, I'm sorry to, to bunny. Uh, yes. I'm so distracted right now because Julie's in the chat. Julie. Hey. <laughs> Hi, Julie. Um, I don't know, Jules, if you heard, we opened the show with you, uh, in dedicating the show to you talking about you and just, uh, wanting our best wishes and, and positive vibes to everybody that you're able to beat this the way that you did last time. So we love you, Julie. We miss you and we appreciate, uh, you being cabbie and, and doing, doing the damn thing. How you did, how you done did it. All right. Uh, Nathan. So, so Jules, I didn't expect you to be here, but I'm so glad you're here. So iPad in hand, uh, sitting on, on your, uh, resting on your, your belly. And hopefully you've got the angle of the bed, correct. And all that. <laughs> so, but we love you. Um, so, uh, Deb, take it, take it away, man. Well, yeah, where do you want to go? I, I was just going to add the other thing of note is just seeing Daniel Sheehan has been making the rounds. He's really laying everything out. He's reiterating what's been going on um, all the way back from the UAP task force. And, you know, he went pretty far back and just laid it all out. And there's this also this new thing that has been presented for us to mull over that maybe OSAF was altogether created because actual craft were had, like they actually had them. And if the implication is that, um, Lockheed wanted to get rid of it. <laughs> and that was why OSAP was created. So all this stuff has been unfolding um, and being mulled over. Um, and I just have to say before I um, pass this to someone else that, you know, it, as someone who's looked at the history of this topic in 50 years, when someone else is looking at the history, this is going to be a really big deal. The people right now may have a hard time understanding how much of a big deal it is, but just think how much of a big deal it was when the United Nations was being approached. And like when we found out how interested certain congressmen were, this is even bigger. Like this is so big, like hearings, um, amendments, bills being passed. These, these are big things. You have found that sliver of positivity, as uh, Nathan was mentioning to me today, that there is a lot of positivity uh, in the community, despite this looking like uh, that that we've we've taken a, a big casualty here, that we've given up uh, or we've been uh, sort of uh, moved off of a position of had to move the front line and retreat 
a little bit, but uh, it certainly doesn't seem that way. It's glad to hear that. Uh, I'd like to tackle this first question from Tad Rhodes. And I just want to say, first of all, I love the name Tad because it, it makes me think like you could be part of a, like a really good Seattle grunge band. Um, and the fact that Rhodes, you know, I'm thinking Randy Rhodes. So Tad, I love your name. Um, and so let me read it out. Uh, actually we could put it up, right? Okay. So Tad says, Diana said it might not be most useful to expect disclosure from the intelligence community as there is so much direct experience. And then it says WH. I'm not sure what WH means. Is that? I think he was going to say, what do you guys think? Okay. What do you guys think? Thank you. Okay. So, um, I, uh, I, I, I'll, you know, be it far from me to, to disagree with Dr. Pasolka, uh, somebody who is our friend who we respect and, uh, who, by the way, we're angling. Uh, so you guys are going to see uh, Mike masters up on here fairly soon as our guest, And we're going to talk about his experience. And, uh, you may also see Dr. Pasolka, uh, as well. Again, um, I'll disagree with her because, uh, you have to understand how many Intel people there are. I mean, when, when you say that 18 intelligence agencies within the United States, uh, intelligence, uh, architecture, there are a lot of people there who are not experiencers and have nothing to do with that. And yet at the same time, uh, may come forward on the basis of the morality. David Grush is not an, uh, is not a UFO experiencer. And yet, um, he found it, uh, that, that this is an important enough from a moral perspective, uh, from a legal perspective, both from a, a criminal legal perspective in terms of how perhaps people have been treated, uh, have been intimidated, have been threatened. And then in terms, uh, uh, I guess, it, you know, also from a criminal perspective and misappropriation of government funds, uh, which is taken very seriously in the government, except that there's obviously top cover for certain special access programs. So uh, my opinion is I, I don't necessarily think that they wouldn't be useful to come forward, but there are some, uh, and I have spoken to some people in the intelligence community, a few of them that due to the depth of their experience might not be the best persons to come forward. Um, I believe that what they say happened to them happened to them, but I could understand how that might appear to a legislator and that they may not be ready to hear the same, um, experiences that these individuals have that Deb and Nathan and myself and a lot of our colleagues in the community are ready to hear. So with that, um, and pass it to money. Yeah, I think uh, this is an interesting question. I, I think I, I look at it from two different perspectives. So one, there's the intelligence community making a disclosure statement as an as an official body, which, as you as we all know, there are many agencies within the intelligence community. So which agency steps up to the podium and, and would offer a statement like that? I'm not sure we're going to see something from an agency. Uh, I don't think the intelligence community as a organization is going to disclose, uh, you know, in the way that um, we might want them to, or in, in an official capacity. Uh, and partly, partly because they're, 
part of their job is to to be very careful about what they say uh, and to not to not disclose. I mean, they're they're kind of trained to keep secrets and be very measured in how they interact with uh, each other as interagency interaction, but also with the rest of the world when they make statements. They know that whatever they say is being observed, is being dissected, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I'm not sure we're going to hear anything from the intelligence community. So I, and I tend to agree with her in that regard. But in terms of individuals within the intelligence community, I think we've already heard from people like that. Uh, so we had Jim Simivan on the show uh, before, and he certainly disclosed to us that he's had experiences yeah. with, with the phenomena. He was very frank about that. So I think that we're going to continue to hear from um, individual members of the intelligence community now, what I would be curious to see is, are we going to hear from people who are still, still active within the community, or are we going to are we going to hear more from folks who have recently retired, or uh, you know, who who have a little less to lose? I mean, this is one mm -hmm. of the things that, that's so big about David Grush. I mean, this is a guy who really, I mean, he's, yeah, I mean, the guy. Look, he's in, in the middle of his professional life, and he has such a high degree of patriotism that he saw this kind of corruption taking place, this malfeasance, this ethical, you know, had this high ethical concern for the way that uh, funds were misappropriated, that Congress wasn't being uh, looped into what was being done with the money that the American people are, are, are sending to them. And also the long history of the, of the cover up here. And, and he's alleged that and testified to the fact, by the way, to the intelligence community inspector general and to Congress already all kinds of details related to the the behavior that that he observed and, and and 40 witnesses and testimonies and there's all kinds of things that he has said obviously we haven't seen that but the point is here's a guy who kind of stepped out he's he's got a, a long runway left i mean i i'm about to turn 45 i've got many years of employment left it feels like forever before i hit a retirement age you know, David Grush has a lot of runway left in terms of, you know, working and he he didn't really want to be a guy, you know, out in the public. This is a guy who, you know, was really good behind the scenes and and didn't didn't want any of this. So um, I think we're going to see more folks like that. But the question is, how soon and how many uh, how many folks are going to have the, uh, you know, the 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 courage, the bravery, uh, the willingness to kind of step out there and and blow the whistle? Uh, we have heard that there have been other whistleblowers who have come forward um, and that we will we've heard rumors that there will be there. We will be hearing from them in the not too distant future. So this momentum is going to continue building. That is my impression of the, of the impression of the situation. We're going to continue to see momentum here. We're going to see, continue to see folks coming forward and talking about what they know. And does that lead to a more formal statement of disclosure from an official government organization? That's the question that I have. And that, that's a whole other segment that I think we, we should get into because, yes. you know, DJ, you and I talked about this on the phone earlier today. There are a lot of reasons why that may not happen. Uh, you know, so disclosure in many respects may only happen through this sort of, uh, you know, citizen activism or intelligence community activism, more of what we've seen already people within those organizations coming forward, trying to put forward evidence to say that this is a real thing. I just don't know if it's going to be enough to lead to an official statement from the president or some other organization. But Deb, I'd, I'd love to get your take on this. What, what is it that you think about when you 
read this question? So many things. <laughs> First of all, we need to be aware that this has happened actually many times. People from the intelligence community have for years and years and years come out and spoken. And it's almost as soon as they speak on this issue, it's not even just the public, but like the community turns on them. Like suddenly when they talk about this, for some reason, they're not as credible. It's so bizarre. So we need to be careful about putting all the weight on the fact that they're in the intelligence community. I think we should turn to citizen work as well, because I think maybe the government has gone just about as far as it can go with this, because then it gets into that issue of national security, which has blocked a lot of things already. Um, as you know, that's one of the reasons this amendment didn't get through. Um, so I really think we need to stop relying on going to you know the government <laughs> and, and getting stuff from the government and start doing some things on our own. Um, a lot of the technology that we have now, if we have the funds, is pretty much to par to what we um, would need, essentially. We've gotten a lot of tip-offs about how we can do it on our own. But I also wanted to point out that um, people who work in the intelligence community that have come out and spoken to us have also reminded us to be careful that some of the people claiming to have been in the intelligence community <laughs> yeah. were not... We're not so much, actually. Yes. Like that, it's like they th thought it was an extra badge that they needed to wear or yes. something. So yeah, <laughs> just be story. careful. Don't don't. In other and you know, I will say because like someone mentioned this, there does seem to be like this kind of woo idea. Let's just go with it that maybe the phenomenon is interested in people in those positions, but they're also just interested in the regular Joe. You know, like it's not just people in the government. Um, you know, I was thinking about this earlier today for some reason, you know, it, it really, there's nothing like special that you have to be to have this experience. It's, it's more no. like you become more special afterwards, you know, and it's a transformative thing. So that's just, this something is why, I want to this is why Nathan and I want it to happen. Cause we want to be more special. Whatever you guys are pretty special. You're pretty special. <laughs> we could always be more special. Uh, first of all, Ted, if you are in a band, please put that in the chat. Or if at least if you're a musician, if you'd put that. And yeah, um, so I don't. I did not hear Diana Pasolka's direct quote. So I'm responding to basically your interpretation uh, and paraphrasing of her quote. But to this, I say. Um, I, I think it it would could be useful if if people come uh, from the intelligence community come come forward and uh, speak with either on an official capacity on a whistleblower capacity uh, or you know even testifying before a committee like uh, what um, helped me out Congressman Burchett of Tennessee uh, had so uh, I think it would be helpful unfortunately in some cases the more experience you have think it's going to be difficult for them to process. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, so Nathan, let's read this one from, I think we have Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? Uh, Nathan can uh, go ahead and read that one that you starred, Nathan. If you yes, would. here we go. Yeah, Jonathan, th thanks for saying this. So the fact that a Senate majority leader would take any time to discuss this phenomenon is absolutely bananas. If you take it a step further and say craft and bodies, this must shake a lot of folks. 
I agree. Uh, I think this is, a, is it's bigger than people realize, and there's just not a lot of attention being given to it. The fact that someone of Chuck Schumer's caliber is saying what he's saying, taking time to say what he's saying, and that his, <laughs> that his bipartisan you know, sort of colleague, you know, whether these are folks that are usually not on the same page, right? Uh, particularly in our day and age. That, that is advocating and saying a lot of the same things. I mean, why are we not hearing about this? Why are we not getting some follow-up questions about the importance of, of this particular initiative? And I think it's the stigma. Look, I think we're still dealing with the downstream effects of the UFO stigma. And uh, that is starting to fade. I see it all the time. Uh, I have conversations with folks about my interest in the subject, and the response I get is more often than not overwhelmingly interested and it's like you kind of give people permission to talk about something that they're already interested in but they were looking around and saying well oh you mean we can talk about this now so <laughs> i think that is what's happening the momentum is there we've got scientists doing it we've got people in congress doing it that's only going to continue to grow now kind of coupling this with what we just talked about and what you and i talked about earlier ddj i think there are a lot of landmines underneath the surface of this issue. And if you're the government, you're going to be very, very careful about how you say what you say and when you say it. And this is this is really what I think the challenge here is, because this is not, as we all just have talked about, this is not something that is happening only within the confines of a government structure. It's happening throughout the world. It's happening with people in their personal lives. It, it's happening everywhere, and it's happened everywhere for at least as far as I think we can see and tell, at least in my own opinion, it's been happening for millennia. And so how do you kind of keep a lid on that? You really can't. And I think once the government makes certain admissions that that things are real or it has certain things in its possession, et cetera, et cetera, there are a lot of things that are come going to come out of the woodwork after those pronouncements second order effects and yeah and i just don't know that we're really we're not prepared for that there's only so much they can control for and they want to control for as many variables as they possibly can for example i wouldn't be surprised if we get some kind of statements to the effect of we, we have something we've been studying something also by the way we're kind of give ourselves some kind of like uh immunity from uh, you know, yeah, a pardon. <laughs> They're going to pardon themselves. Uh, I don't think I don't know that it will work. You know, we do have a system in the United States where no one is above the law. Presumably, that's what we like to espouse. Presumably. So whether that will actually happen, and we can, you know, kind of get get through to you know pass to something a statement like like that, I don't know. But if you think about it, there are folks who have had interactions with this. There are folks who've been Im impacted by this. Uh, there are corporations, uh, as Lou Elizondo has talked about, who have not been given these materials, and so they've been behind the curve compared to their competitors. They might bring lawsuits forward. So just the, the legal ramifications of making a statement, official statement about disclosure and what we have, are going to be really, really big and quite costly. I mean, we're talking about lawsuits and, and big money here at stake to try to find someone culpable for you know, insert whatever harm is perceived or actually has occurred. So that's a huge component of this that I don't know we're prepared for. And that's why 
you know, we like to talk about catastrophic disclosure, or controlled disclosure. There, it's actually both. Everybody, like, there are going to be controlled pieces of this, and then there are going to be catastrophic pieces of this that we just cannot plan for. We cannot uh, kind of game out to see where it's going to go. And you know, that's really the interesting aspect of it. How destabilizing will it be? That's the question that I would have. So for Deb, she's going to say, "Well, they just can't." So, any <laughs> uh, so one thing, uh, Nathan, when you say to be frank, I think we need to do a no pun intended since Frank is part of the that's show. True, that's true. To be and frank, when you say uh, people of his caliber, it makes me think of Doctor mm -hmm. Evil from uh, <laughs> Austin. That's right. So, <laughs> you Deb, have a much evil haircut, though. I don't. I don't have that. I, so. I know, much to my chagrin. I'm yeah, more than number two, you know. Yeah, I'm. I'm, go <laughs> I'm going to, to a different place with this question that okay. Jonathan gave us because okay. when I read it, I was like, I was not impressed, and I'll tell you why. Because the top person in our government is, you know, the president, and we've had not one, not two, not three, but multiple presidents talk about the phenomenon. To the point where they have sought information and sent people out to investigate within the government. And Obama, being my favorite example, just frankly said, yes, there's stuff that we don't know that's going on. So, I mean, yeah, that's great. I'm very happy that the, the Senate is working on this. I'm happy to see congressmen involved. But it's been going on. Like, this is not new. Like it's been going on and on and on for decades. So I, I also want to, you know, react to what Deb said and what Nathan said, uh, which is a, a broader, more uh, the implications of. Um, <clears throat> so as far as Chuck Schumer is concerned, I, I think it's really great that we have somebody of, as Nathan said, of his caliber, um, because of the fact that he was former Senate or he is Senate majority leader, but that the difficulty is that there are people, you know, in, you know, out of the 535 that are sitting up there in one house or the other, in the Senate or the house in one chamber or the other, I should say that for them, the political polarization that the if Frank wanted to know what self-licking ice cream cone means because someone said it in Frank's chat on UFO Thinker. And basically, and we use this in the military, and it's basically a process, an office, or like an organization that exists to serve itself. And that's what the political parties have become, either the Republicans or the Democrats. They probably started off with some really nice goals, uh, you know, in the 17, 1800s when they were born. But now they really exist a lot. Uh, they're the self-licking ice cream cone. Both of them are. So for a lot of people on a certain side of the political spectrum or the aisle uh, and of all ranges on the spectrum, they view um, that any bill that uh, regardless of merit, irrespective of merit, that Chuck Schumer would put forward, they would want to um, to kill that bill just on the basis of that. He's in the other party. And then there are people on the other side of the aisle that would want to kill maybe a, a very uh, intelligent uh, piece of legislation that came from the other side just because of the whole self-licking ice cream cone. So I think that's a shame. But I have to say that it it's a net positive, though, 
um, I, I think, and that's what I told uh, Nathan today, is because you have someone of that gravity and the conversation continues. Is there a political component to that? Is some of that, well, hey, this guy, Tim Burchett, from, you know, just a, a congressman from Tennessee uh, or a House member is getting all this traction uh, on this topic when you could hear, you know, a year and a half ago, his uh, fellow uh, senator from New York, Kirsten Gillibrand, was making a lot of noise on this topic alongside Marco Rubio. And I didn't hear from Senator Schumer on that issue at that time. So is there a component of political expediency here? Perhaps. Perhaps there is. But be that as it may, whether there is or there is not, whether that's just my per a perception that one could have, it is, it is a pretty big deal because um, it's in the record. It's in public record now. You know, you talked about them getting it on congressional record and you have uh, a co-sponsored bill from people on both sides of the aisle that are pushing for this topic and that are highlighting uh, what happened on the House side that killed the bill. So I, I think it's a definitely a net positive as much as you could take all those little factors in, into consideration. As far as uh, uh, what Nathan said, Nathan, that I think is a topic unto itself that uh, when we get through these, we can, you know, we can um, kick it around or we, you know, I don't know if we have another question down below, but there are, it, it is quite deep in terms of, okay, um, who could come forth with evidence that they, because you have people that are very astute in the government that understand the system that maybe have an Intel background or other backgrounds, the Intel community, very much a family. But what if someone's gathered evidence uh, as probably David has of how they've been intimidated and threats that have been made to them either by somebody, someone from the government or contracted to the U S government? Is that possible? There could be many of those persons. And I think that's what Nathan was alluding to. That's one thing. Um, not to mention someone that can prove uh, misappropriation of funds. Uh, and what would what would that do? Who is still alive? Uh, who is a retired uh, person in government that may be aware that that happened, that may be uh, that the Justice Department might make a, vi a visit to? And then again, we can get into sides of the aisle. All those things, can, you know, who's going to be the next president? So there are very, very deep implications uh, that would speak to why the obfuscation continues, much to our chagrin. Yeah, completely agree. It's it's a huge. I mean, it's it's there are just a lot of things that I don't know that folks realize, like kind of how complicated this really is, how how entangled we are with the history here, because uh, in many ways it may rewrite. The history of at least the the 20th century america that we all think think we know and, and world, world history as well right so there's just a lot of issues at play uh you know this is a stepping stone process that's the way i sort of look at it i, I don't think you're going to see some sort of a you know grand one comprehensive disclosure statement you're going to see some uh, continued piecemeal statements and I also want to highlight something that, that Chuck Schumer said in his in his remarks on the Senate floor. He used uh, the phrase to combat sort of misinformation. You know, that, that one of the reasons why they want to kind of push this forward is that the government can can be more transparent and more more forthcoming with what they know, and then combat misinformation 
that the public may have about what the government has been up to. And, you know, my, my ears sort of perk up when that word is used because we're talking about a state spokesman that, that's using, you know, the, this, this term of misinformation. And what, what I hear is there's, there's information that we want you to know about this. And we don't want you to speculate, you know, in these other areas. So that these things are going to be approved areas of conversation. And these other pieces are going to be off the menu for a while. And I think that that that's what we're going to see most likely is we're going to see some very kind of uh, as much as they possibly can cordon off part of the conversation to say this is th these are things we're willing to talk about and we're not willing to go into these other facets of the conversation. But we all know that those other facets are are right there. I mean, if you if you're making an admission, if they take it th this far, for example, that we are not alone that they have not only a craft but but bodies of these other beings well how far are we then from individuals who are going to come forward and say yeah i've had experiences with those beings i've been taken by those beings i've had you know insert xyz it, it can be a f who knows how many people there are like that it could be a flood mm -hmm. of people like that and what do we do with that information how do we process it how do we make sense of it how do we fit it into a new narrative about reality Who's equipped to help us with that narrative? These are all questions that we're going to have to work out together. And if you're the government and, and you're kind of sitting on this, you know, how do you do that? How do you try to manage that conversation as much as possible? It's, it's very, very challenging. It, yeah, I, I'm. we've talked about it on the show. I'm sure there are a team of professionals like Deb and a team of uh, psychologists and sociologists, and they're probably making recommendations as to how to roll this out so as not to upset the balance. We're going to get Deb's take on that in a second, but I want to address this one to Boo the Beagle. First of all, if your Beagle's name is Boo, please say hello. I love Beagles. I've been lusting after having a Beagle for many uh, for many years, and I've never gotten one, and I hope someday I get one. Um, I saw one today at the, at the vet. We did the dog vet and the cat vet, so... Um, Okay, so I'm a lifelong experiencer, and I find the idea of government validation repulsive. Damn it. I'm more into the day-to-day -day normalization of experiences with whatever that is, with the other, whatever that is. So I hear you. Uh, That's something that uh, we've talked about at length. This is an, an experiencer show. We've had experiencers as, as uh, cabbies and as guests on many occasions. What I want to say to you, Boo the Beagle, is that everybody is necessary in this discussion. Uh, people who are really analytical, um, like you know, some, us, uh, people who come from a religious tradition that can look at it through that lens, like Nathan, people who have dedicated their life to the mental health of others, like Deb, um, and, and have been you know, uh, educated in that in, in college and so forth. Um, so we need a David Grush and we need a Lou Elizondo, just like we need you and we need David John Lanier and we need, uh, other experiencers like, uh, Dave Scott and so forth, you know, uh, and, and Julie and, and many others, everybody's necessary. The reason that the government folks are necessary is because they can get your story and our story about you that we're trying to tell to a larger audience to let the, the rest of humanity know 
this is real. This is not a joke. This is not just the subject of television or movies. These things are actually happening. And that's what we get. And that's why um, it's important to hear from Dave Fravor. Does that mean that Dave Fravor is more important than Dave Scott? No, it doesn't mean that. It just means that it's getting a larger audience that Dave Scott cannot reach, that Dave Fravor can reach, that goes into this whole, you know, mil you know, military folks and government folks and retirees and folks that are just conservatives like like Dave Fravor is. And if you watched him on Carrier, that 2004 documentary, you'll know, you know, where he's at on on the political spectrum. Well, we need those people to know, just like we need people who are hippies like myself that wear tie dye. So it it it's important, uh, even though I, you know, also, you know, military government background, I'm still a hippie. Uh, so that's why, uh, no, they're not more important than you. Um, they're not validating you. They're certain they're all they're doing is bringing your story and that what's happening to you and others to an audience that is not sure that this exists when we all know that it does exist. So that's, that's my take on that. Uh, let's see if we got something else that we can read Debs, uh, yeah, okay. said he had some questions. Yeah, uh, go yes. ahead, Debs. So, um, we got a message through DM. Oh. Um, yeah, so it, it was it was quite a lot, and it had a lot to do with how the community feels, and this individual was feeling in relation to um, what feels like power being taken away. Um, and essentially, the question is, um, how do we handle this frustration and anger that results when people know that they've had an experience, they've, you know, seen something, their family member who is completely trustworthy to them has seen something, a whole bunch of them together have seen something. Mm -hmm. And that's happened multiple times, by the way. Um, and then the government is just like, we're not going to tell you anything. So they, that's their question. They want to know how to handle that frustration and anger. And I, I have a response to that, but I want to let you guys give your input. No, I, I'd actually like to hear, yeah, I agree. excuse me, um, I'd like to hear you, Deb, first, okay. and then we'll, we could go around. Okay. Well, first of all, um, I recently tweeted out that I think it was like psychology today had um, put out a uh, article about a study um, that anger can actually motivate us. I think that the anger that we have is very motivating to continue to do the work that we're doing, to continue to be the voice for people who can't speak, um, to continue to make sure we're educating each other um, and sharing information with each other. I think that, for instance, I always think of Martin Luther King, and he had to be angry. He had to be angry about what was going on, and that motivated him. So anger is not always a destructive, terrible thing. The people who are not handling their anger well and are lashing out at each other, that's a whole other problem. <laughs> and, and in cases like that, I would just say, give them time, give them space, do not engage, because they, they need to work out those issues um and then turn this anger into motivation if they can i you know one of my heroes three of my heroes are like uh martin luther king neil armstrong and jimmy james earl carter jr also known as jimmy carter um 
Yeah, I, I think you've said it better than than I'm going to be able to say it, Deb. I've always said that the, the biggest motivators that humans have are fear and love and anger. Um, fear drives a lot of the people that don't want to believe that this is actually happening, that this is true. Because if it is true, then they have to reassess what they think they know about their life in the universe. And they really don't want to do that. So they just try to debunk all of this um, UFO activity and visits and, and abductions as, ah, it's not true. They can't prove it. It's, it's not a real thing because that makes them feel better. So it's fear that, that drives that. But yeah, the, to channel it into, uh, like you said, into something, into some sort of activism, no matter how small, is really the way to, I think, the best way to handle it, to turn a negative into a positive I mean, in the scope of course over time here, we've all seen, you know, members of us go through something really negative and figure out how can we make something positive out of this. And I think uh, what's happened here with the topic is, is no different. Um, we believe you. Uh, we have a space for you. And there are a lot of spaces for you beyond only CAB, but other uh, groups that, that want to hear from you and hear about your experience and even people that have experienced it themselves, J. Christopher King and his organization amongst others and whatever organization Dab is with next. <laughs> Money Nathan, go ahead, brother. Yeah, I think that's, um, I think of anger as, as sort of a, a fire, right? Anger is, is fire in the sense that it can really burn and, and with this, this fierce intensity and energy just like fire can be used to to keep you warm to light the darkness can be incredibly helpful uh, but uncontrolled anger uncontrolled fire is incredibly dangerous so I, I do think we have to be careful uh you know with with that particular emotion it's a part of being human to feel angry is is totally normal and if you've experienced some of these things and uh and you've been ridiculed or you're embarrassed or whatever it is, it, it's okay and it's right to feel that way. Uh, I think anger is a catalyst in that regard. It's a catalyst to get you into advocacy, to motivating you to be involved, motivating you to have conversations with other people uh, about your experience. But you know, we have to sort of process that as well. And we can't let anger consume all of who we are we can't let anger then consume everyone around us as well. So we have to be very careful in with that particular emotion. I think convert it into something that that is positive. It it absolutely can get things going, but it can't be the end all or the end goal. And I don't hear, of course, Deb, I don't hear you saying that. Uh, but I agree very much with the fact that anger is something that is okay to feel, and it, it is it is a great motivator for many people it is the motivation to kind of push the, this forward in terms of the other aspect of that question it's a real challenge because we don't have uh i think very good i don't know language or uh like our current institutions aren't particularly well suited to to cope with some of the trauma that that has taken place um, and, and not just trauma in, in terms of what may have happened to someone with an experience, but there's going to be trauma as a result of this sort of unfolding of reality that we weren't 
that not, none of us thought was real. Right. And, and look, I think that that, that trauma is going to be all kinds of going to manifest itself in all kinds of different ways. Even for those of us who've talked about this for, for many years already. And, and we think we process this a great deal. There's going to be our own trauma as this continues to change and unfold. And we learn more about it, or we hope to learn more more about it. And so what I would say is, you know, don't sort of hang your hat or put all of your chips, you know, on this notion that you're going to get every answer, every question answered. Because if if that's what you're after, you're 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 going to be disappointed. So I think you instead need to sort of put your energy into into being, you know, charitable with both yourself and with other people, making space for their experience, ma making space for your own experience, your own feelings. These are things that we've got to get better at doing. We're not good at them right now because right now we live in a world that's very much, it's my way. I look at this, you know, from my <laughs> perspective, you know, you're wrong. I'm looking to score points against you so that I can win and never take the L. You know, that that's the world that we live in, right? And yeah. that has to change because that, we're not going to get through this just on our own. We, we really have to lean on each other. And, and that's the beautiful thing about I think the human family is that our ability to cooperate and to, to work together to achieve things that we can't achieve on our own. That's what I would love to see come out of this sort of unfolding reality that, that I think is going to be happening very, very soon it is already happening. To support Nathan's point, listening to on that Sean Ryan show, a Delta force operator dealing with conventional trauma in the form of a guy who went to war uh, multiple conflicts saw some very horrific things and not only did he not get proper care for that through the uh, in terms of psychological evaluation and and counseling uh through the veterans administration who by the way is my my personal health care folks who do an amazing job for me and in the civilian community how do you think they're going to deal with when you say i was abducted like and you tell them that I was abducted. There were tests done on me. There was semen uh, or something removed from me or eggs. And then the scoop is right here is missing out of my arm. They're not having they're They've been trained in school to deal with people who have been through war trauma. And he ended up having to become his own primary care, his own mental health care manager because he was misdiagnosed. So how do you think they're going to do when you don't have a John Mack? You know, you don't yeah. get that level of, you know, of care. So I, I agree with what you're saying, Nathan, it's going to be very, very difficult uh, for people to get help on, on that kind of scale of what we believe are the numbers of people that have experienced this. Also want to ask you regarding the fear stuff, Nathan, can you do recite the Yoda thing in the Yoda voice? Fear leads to anger. Yes. Anger. <laughs> I can't do it in the voice. I mean, I not on the spot anyway, so I won't, I won't try. It'll be terrible. <laughs> Okay, but it's something like fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to the dark side. Is that that sounds about right? Yeah, something like that. All right, we got it. We'll we'll get that to you guys for the next show. Fear leads to anger, <laughs> anger one. leads to hate. <laughs> so, that's pretty good, actually. Mm -hmm, yeah. Good. Movie uh, <laughs> Dune, uh, Dune Two is coming out next year, and fear is the mind killer. That that's the that's the line from Dune. So yeah, there you go, man. All right. Um, so you are listening to Calling All Beings 
uh, please give us a, a like if you would. Would you give us a subscribe? Something like that. It'll help our, our numbers and help us to get more guests that want to come on the show. So like, subscribe, comment, all that. We appreciate it. I want to make sure we get every Hathor. Is it 1320 is in the house? Hello, Jonathan. Thank you for all these contributions. Um, I see what you're saying here. Mostly view the government's actions as important and interesting, but more as a weather vane than a Bible. That is very, very smart moves. Uh, Tad actually came up and said he he does. He does play uh, the bongos. So maybe he is like Dave Grohl after all. So that, that's good. Love it. Um, who else? Uh, boo. Say, uh, what do we got here? Would we as a community be okay with international government? Oh, absolutely. Please do. I mean, there isn't a country in the world that can really get close to where we've gotten to in terms of disclosure at this point. So it's sad <laughs> that this level of disclosure is the example, but that's pretty much where we're at. Um, can I chime in on that though? I got to give props to Mexico. Mexico sure. basically have said that they are going to be transparent with their public on this issue, which of course means the whole world will be paying attention, but we do need other countries to respect those countries when they give out information. And even though not all of the information was something people were happy about at their last hearing uh, the amount of disrespect that I heard about Mexico and the work that they were doing was really upsetting and offensive to me. Um, there are other countries who are very serious on this topic and we need to give them credit where credit is due so that they can do the disclosure. There we go. Yeah, it's 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 really unfortunate, but you 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 know you got to be careful. Who do you invite? Well, first of all, I want to give credit to Mexico. I would welcome any country to come out and exceed the U.S. in this topic. Unfortunately, nobody has, uh, and they've released you know those three videos, and we've got our fighter pilots on camera. We've got you know we've got we've got more disclosure than any other country by far, um, and. I, I the fact that they invited one individual who brought the bodies and supposedly he was a faker or something uh, is unfortunate because they cast doubt on their event when they did that. But I certainly welcome them to uh, join the party. Um, so what what Duncan is saying here, uh, I have to agree. This is, you know, um, no matter who is running uh, for office right now. Uh, I don't see this as being a winning topic for you um, because particularly if you were, you know, your, your opponent, particularly if you're on the p political left, uh, you would be a, a, an even larger target than you would be for someone like Tim Burchett. Although he, I think he announced that he believes that someone is running against him and opposing him in his district perhaps from his, his own party. Uh, and it's unfortunate, but I don't think it's, uh, um, I don't think you're going to score big political points by coming out and saying I'm running on UAPs. So uh, Nathan. Yeah, it's um, at least right now, it's still a hot potato, I think from a, a political debate stage and, but, but coming back to what, you know, what, what Jonathan said about the, what the weather vane, I think that is 
it's a good analogy to use. And we're going to have to keep an eye out on kind of where the conversation goes on the debate stage or in the uh, kind of presidential election conversation, because the more that it, been, it appears in that conversation, that is a, a signifier that it's becoming more okay to talk about it you know, yes. in, in wider circles, right? So um, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I, you know, I, I've kind of debated a little bit in my, with myself, you know, is it, is it a good thing to kind of be a proponent for UAP disclosure uh, and in, the, in a presidential debate, you know, capacity? Is it a bad thing? Do you want to be the president, kind of the, the disclosure president? Do you not want to be the disclosure president? You know, does Biden come out in 2024 before the election and disclose? Is that a, is that a win for Biden? Does that mean that more people would want to vote for him to kind of see the results of whatever you know he might say? I'm not really sure. And I think you know this is really gets to the sort of heart of where we are in the world. You know, you talked about we talked about other countries disclosing and the U.S. disclosing. I mean, we're we're just so uh, you know fractured as as a, as a world society. You know, and and, and it's. And it's very, um, it's jarring to see it because our, we're also so intertwined, right? So our, our, our fates and our, our fortunes are really intertwined now. We're, we're all on the same planet. We can't get off and get away from each other at the end of the day. We're all here. And the fact that we kind of create the, these divisions and enforce the, these divisions, and, and it's, it's, um, it's really unfortunate. And I don't know that, at the heart of what this issue is about, that that that's in alignment with what UAP disclosure is and means, you know, with with the, say, say that again. So Just see if you can, yeah, explain the, the that a little better. Fractured nature of 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 our civilization, human civilization, I think, is not in any way, in shape, or form in alignment with yeah. the challenge that will be posed to us by disclosure. Yeah, that we're no longer alone. And you know how many interests in the world are sort of caught up in this division? How many interests are, are you know have literal money on the table so that we can continue fighting each other? And would this issue sort of be a direct affront to that? And I think in some ways, in many ways, it would be. It would cause us to sort of think for a second, rally around what it means to be a human being, what it means to be. You know, human civilization on this planet, and what what our priorities are—all those things. Just so many facets of this that I think that disclosure is a is a tremendous challenge to the status quo and to what our notions are of you know how we should be in the modern world. And I'm not sure that we're ready for that because it's a it's a lot of soul searching that we're not really well equipped to do. I have said and will I will I have said before and will say again to people to some pretty scary people in person that you wouldn't want to piss off is that if you are consuming cable news and I mean any cable news I don't care what channel it is you are a, you are being moved your opinion is being shaped by them if you think no I'm not that I can watch it and I can form my own opinion I'm here to tell you that you're wrong because in order to, to become a member of like, and I've said this, like a Delta Force or a SEAL Team 6 or a certain counterterrorism unit within the CIA, 
you have to be the elite of the elite of the elite to get selected for something like that. And you have to go through a crucible. And these folks who are program directors who every day work to present stories in such a way so as to shape your opinion against someone else and to reinforce your core beliefs, those program directors at a CNN or a Fox or an MSNBC are the elite of the elite of the elite. And they get paid a lot of money because they know how to move you. And in doing so and consuming that on a daily basis, you are imbuing yourself with those opinions and are then able to separate yourself from another human, whether you're you know, in France and you're, you know, you're from one side or the left side or the right side or all this ridiculous bullshit of these left, right, blue, red. We find all these different ways and libs and dems and reps and conservative and all this bullshit to try to separate from one another. And that is the self-looking ice cream cone. They want to use your core beliefs to divide you against another human. And that's what you have to not allow them to do that. And don't consume that. Go and read your news somewhere else, but don't consume this partisan stuff that causes us to divide against one another. That's what their goal is. And if you think they can't do it to you, I am here to tell you, They could do it to me. They could do it to Nathan. They could do it to Exo. They could do it to Debs. They could do it to Diana Pasolka. They could do it to anybody if you sit and you watch it Mm -hmm. because they're the best at doing that. And yes, they have their own teams of sociologists and psychologists and spin doctors. Um, Anyway, I also want to let you guys know that next week we are doing an episode called Ask Nathan. So if you are in the chat here and you would like to ask a question of Nathan, please. And we're talking. I want you to get deep now. You know what I'm talking about? Get your double scuba tank on, right? Your BC and dive down. We're going to get deep with Nathan. We're going to have David Smethers come in. Dave is going to go over some nature of reality questions he has with Nathan. Dave in himself is a phenomenon. It's a fact. I, Nathan, I asked Dave for a couple questions today. He had paragraphs within a minute and a half. I mean, he is a force. He is an absolute force. So we're going to have Dave uh, for about a half hour or so, maybe, maybe even more. And then we're going to get into everybody else's questions for Ask Nathan. So that'll be December 19th if you want to get in on that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what else? I want to get I, some. I, 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 Deb had some thoughts on this, and I wanted to. I want to ask Deb about the political complete. Yeah, Go ahead, Deb. Yeah, I know. I know that we were um, thinking about time, and I just want to be concise about this. But I had this revelation because, as you guys know, one of my favorite things to do is to watch um, TV, um, reality TV, you know, dramas, whatever from other countries. And I was thinking about this that when I was young, because I'm old now. I only had like five TV channels. Um, In fact, my TV was black and white because it was a hand-me-down TV. And I didn't know it for a long time. I didn't have any internet because that wasn't a thing yet. There was no access to the rest of the world. The only reason I knew that there was more to the world than what was in front of me is because I had traveled already internationally at a young age. 
um, and since then have gone to several countries, including Africa, well, Egypt in Africa, because, you know, Africa is the continent. But anywho, um, so my point yes. is uh, that, like, if for people who don't normally get to travel, um, you know, who didn't have those experiences, like, this, it's a new age now where we can see all those things at our fingertips whenever we want. We can engage with people from other countries now. Like I have people who talk to me on Twitter from other countries and we just translate our things back and forth so we can keep talking. They don't feel like they have to change their language and I'm totally fine with it because we can communicate now. So we have this level of engagement now and that is why we know about the fracture because when I was a kid, there was not this awareness. So we now are aware. We're at a different stage. Okay. So we didn't know. And now we do. And that is huge. And that's the first step in healing the fracture. So I just wanted to be positive about that for a minute and remind people that we're in a different world than we were 20 years ago. Okay. And if you want to age me 30 years ago, maybe <laughs> then a little plus. <laughs> Deb, you've no, not even hit 50 yet. Yeah, get out of here with that. Deb's not yeah. even hit 50 yet. Uh, Nathan, let's hit up some of these ones that are starred in here. We've got, you know, 20 minutes left. Oh, oh, look who's here. It's Corey Jacquiel in the house. <laughs> What's up, Corey? So uh, we're going to, Corey, if you got something to say and if you want to come on and say something, we will send you the link. He's probably like, well, I haven't done my hair, but yeah. Um, go ahead, Nathan. Do you want to hit up some of these that are starred? We've got, I think we've uh, got, we right here, right? About all of them except for, um, you know, you Jonathan, Jonathan mentioned that, you know, it's interesting okay. that, that a president, the executive has not, you know, officially disclosed that not a single, you know, executive has disclosed. Uh, and but as Deb pointed out, I mean, you can pretty much get a statement from all of them that there is something to this. Uh, all of the presidents that are alive, um, and you know, I've always thought that one of the most amazing things that could happen would be if the presidents together, the the ones alive today, would actually make a statement together. You know, because think of the message that that would send. That you know, because they all have their their partisan fans and for them to all come together and, and make a pronouncement like that you know of course i would absolutely love to have a global pronouncement as well that was mentioned in the chat you know, think about something uh akin to a presidential statement but also a statement from the un from other world leaders i mean this is really this is the kind of thing that will i think have to happen in order for it to really really sink in to everyone um but you know, I do say I want to say that as well that we 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 live in a very destabilizing time when it comes to official information, right? We all we all know this, and we we can we can sense this and feel this. That's only going to get worse, and I think we're we're seeing it get worse because with the AI tools that are coming online now that are advancing every single day, the the capacity and the 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 reach for disinformation is is very very high and broad and so it's in short it's it's pretty easy for everybody to live within their own personally crafted reality bubble and i i worry that in some respects 
an official pronouncement, you know, in that classic traditional sense, you know, is still going to be met with a lot of skepticism and and doubt and whatnot. You know, it's going to take some time, in other words. And, and of course, like anything that happens in, to, to you that you have a, a visceral, like rejecting reaction to, like, oh, I, can't, I don't want to hear this. This can't be real. I can't believe this is real. I mean, Deb can talk about this, the, the stages that you're going to go through as you react to the new normal. It's not like, a, oh, I can I can totally incorporate that into my life right now. We are good to go. There's going to be a lot of processing that happens uh, internally and externally as a society as we adapt to whatever new information is revealed. And by the way, that's real. I know people that have actually said those words. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to know this. I've heard yeah. people actually say that. And you and I, I'm not going to say the person's name here, but we had a guest on that. We have a pretty good, uh, a lay person, a pretty good supposition that that was her, uh, that that was her position is I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with this. Um, what else do we have here? Yeah. Um, uh, I can see candidates being poke and dig at the other candidate. Yes, uh, Boo. I have no 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 doubt about that. It, if someone were to take this position, you know, Nathan posited, "What if Biden disclosed before the twenty four election?" If he did something like that, I think that could be a paradigm shifter. But I think the fear, of the unknown, could could get him. And the other side, I think the attacks would immediately start coming I, I don't know that would be a very very interesting human experience uh human experiment right there mm -hmm. to see what would happen if he disclosed something not the entire enchilada so to speak but just sort of unwrap one side of the burrito <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah and i think you'd have to have the other candidate basically read into that as well like it feels like an unfair card to play in some respects like I guess if the other candidate is Trump, then arguably, you know, he may have had access to some of that information as well. So, uh, first of all, I want to welcome Gloria. Um, uh, thank you. Yeah, we we've been talking about this for a while, and uh, finally we we got it done. And we'll have some more of these hopefully when there's some more uh, cabbies present as well, because that just adds to the the discussion. Uh, but boy, this has been a lot of fun tonight. Uh, and what else she's saying here? Love the idea of, of ask Nathan. I will try and have, uh, have a thought a lot beforehand. Yeah, please. If you, um, we didn't ask Nathan before I think I, when was it, Nathan? Was it earlier in the year? It feels Six like forever ago. ago. No, no, it was, uh, at least last year. Yeah. Last year we okay. it before. Uh, so yeah, we'll do it again. And, and yeah. they wrote me into this guy. It's not something I, I just, <laughs> no, this is not his idea. <laughs> I asked him if he would do another ask Nathan, because what you'll find out is that if you even sit in like a chat with him or backstage with him or at a restaurant with Nathan, you just want to like ask him these big, really big and deep questions. So I said, hell, I mean, we could make an episode of that. So, so yeah, if anybody has a, something for Ask Nathan, please DM uh, Deb, myself, Julie, um, Frank, um, hell, even Matt would pass it along. Uh, and by the way, so, um, man, let me bring up a Bigfoot one real quick. How, how do you feel? Do you guys feel like tackling a Bigfoot? Oh, okay. Um, thank you, Nathan. Um, yeah, let's do it. Um, 
So we're going to be, first of all, we're going to be having a Bigfoot roundtable uh, coming up. And I wanted to say something from, I know Mick is not in the chat right now. I don't know what, Mick, what are you doing tonight that you're not here? Hopefully he's down at the pub having fun. Uh, Mick, I did speak with Doug Highcheck and Legend Meat Signs too. Doug Highcheck is sending a crew to England. There is a uh, a Bigfoot researcher in England that has evidence significant enough for Doug to send a film crew over there. So that's that's pretty big, okay? Um, so I just wanted to get that out there. So we we are having um, Ohio researcher of the year, Amy Boo of what is it the zoo I'm, i don't have all the stuff the notes in front of me and I, I didn't necessarily plan on this but um I, I i'm trying to remember the name of the project she's on but she's a prolific researcher she's been on tv before named amy boo um i, I think it's zootology or something like that she's mm. going to be on with us doug high the legend meets science to national geographics channel film producer inventor uh, and researcher of Bigfoot is coming on. Um, Scott Tomp like Scott Tompkins of the uh, Bigfoot Mapping Project is going to come with all of his data um, and stuff like that. He has got the uh, the best uh, in terms of geographical Bigfoot sightings that he's put together. Um, who else are we having? Sibylla Irwin, who you guys have seen on Cab. And of course, Brian King Sharp of Sasquatch Odyssey will be back. And he just came back from spending a week in the Canadian wilderness. So, oh, we got a question for Nathan. We'll, we'll go ahead and star that. So you'll see that. But uh, about Bigfoot, here's what I want to posit to Nathan and then Deb. So uh, brilliant researchers, the strains, uh, Bob Strain, Kathy Strain, Kathy's an anthropologist. I can't remember what Bob's degree in degrees in but they both met through the bigfoot topic um they got married and now they're part of that um north american wood ape conservancy in oklahoma that goes and researches in area x and we've had uh crypto linguists such as scott nelson say that based on the recordings that he's heard he believes that w the the samurai chatter of bigfoot back and forth he believes that to be a language um, a lot of people have heard uh, samurai chatter uh, in the woods. And, you know, what, what Bob said, and respectfully, because he had an amazing interview on Bigfoot Crossroads with Matt. So I'm not quarreling with Bob Strain. I'm not putting myself on the level anywhere near the knowledge on Sasquatch or Bigfoot as Bob Strain. Not doing that. What I am quibbling with is he says, I'm not ready to call it a language. So. Um, baked into the idea, the North American Wood Ape Conservancy, it, baked into that name, they've already decided what it is. So we have something where we don't have a body, we can't study it, so we're not sure exactly what it is, given that we're, you know, some form of ape, uh, or we share 95% or 96% of the DNA with them. This with Bigfoot, we could share 98% for all I know. I don't know. Um, so, Nathan, what about this thing with it's communicating like animals communicate or a language? What's your take on this? Well, yeah, that's a, it's a good question because we have defined language in a very particular way. Right? I think uh, recently there was an announcement that they've used uh, some AI analysis to look at whale song 
whale chatter and have identified some basically vowels within that, you know, what we would call a vowel, you know, within that kind of uh, sound. But, you know, the point being is, you know, is language, is, is this symbolic means of communication, is it purely what we understand language to be? Right. And there and there are all kinds of different language, of course. There's nonverbal communication. What I'm doing right now with my hands is communicating something with my face and you know, communicating with you and not necessarily having to use words to do that. And so uh I think it's it's interesting to take the I've heard that that chatter. It's very I mean, alien is a good word for it. It's very wild sounding. Uh it 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 very well could be a language. Uh, if if it's if it's achieving something if it's if it's resulting in another creature you know behaving reacting in a certain way to those utterances then it, to me it's certainly seems like a language of some kind uh, so i don't know the, the jury's still out we obviously need a lot more information i think you made up made some great points there about you know they've already come to certain conclusions within the name of the organization <laughs> already kind of pigeonholing themselves in a, in a way um, yeah, I don't know. I, we, we just need more, just like we need more with the UAP stuff. We need more data to, to figure this out. Debs, what do you think about that? Have you heard any of the samurai chatter? I've heard, uh, multiple recordings from not only from, um, Ron Moorhead, but there's some others that are out there, but what's your take? Well, I mean, we always put things in context of what we understand, like and we barely understand our own language <laughs> like it's so funny right um when nathan was mentioning nonverbals, like i kind of like went oh yeah because i teach that to people like nonverbal is actually a huge part of our communication um which is why you can communicate with people um when you meet them in other countries um if you really have to um the words that we use is only like seven percent of our communication because the way you say it the tone can change it so much so i think we have a lot that we don't understand about um our own language still um so for us to jump to trying to understand something with not enough data like i think that that's a little also a little rash sometimes so hopefully they'll have more data but i will say that from what i've heard there's communication i think that's a safer word to use um, the, the audio that I've heard sounds like definite communication. Yeah, I think, and that, I think, well, then I think you're, you're kind of in a position where Bob is, I'll give you the reasons why I think what I think. Um, for one thing, Scott Nelson is, you know, as Ron Moorhead points out over and over, he's a two-time graduate of the defense language Institute out in Monterey. I happen to have worked with those same uh, basically, uh, the Air Force has some uh, intel folks that they send through language. Actually, they go through language first, and then they get, if you want to be technical, and then they go through intel training. So they're basically flying linguists, intel gathering linguists. And so Scott Nelson uh, was the Navy's version of that. All services go through uh, Monterey. doesn't matter if you're Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps. Um and he said, what I'm hearing is a language and he'll, he'll, you know, be able to speak on that intelligently in a way that I cannot. But what they're saying is you know, gorillas and stuff and other, other dogs and other animals can communicate with sounds and with barking. That is a form of communication. And I'm, I'm going to get you guys on. Uh, there's a, uh, there is a 
audio that um what's his name Wes Germer has on Sasquatch Chronicles I think he's interviewing uh MK Davis where they had uh, a Bigfoot break into like a it was some type of a, a feed store or something and they they got the audio recording of it and and you could hear you know that's that kind of samurai chatter so it it to me it sounds like they're saying words we just don't know what the words mean whereas uh, with some other animals, there's a lot of, like what Nathan pointed out with the whales, that they're hearing maybe vowels uh, being formed. Uh, whereas other animals, it's a lot of, you know, they're communicating for sure. Oh, I don't know that it's necessarily a language. I don't, but with Bigfoot, I don't know that it, I don't know that it's not a language. I wouldn't say it's not a language unless I know more than somebody like Scott Nelson, who's an expert in that field. That's all I was saying. Matt, Matt told me, well, he just said he doesn't know that it's a language. I'm saying, well, I don't know that it's not a language. Maybe it is a language, but when you've already coined what this is, you've already said, this is a North American wood ape. Now we've decided we've coined, this is what it is because it has a lot of behaviors like a gorilla for that matter. I guess so do we, you know, the way we go to war and the way we do things, I guess we do too. But I'm just not ready to classify what I don't want to take away uh, intellect that, that this creature may have. I'm not saying that it's a straight up human like us, but it may be more like us than any uh, chimp or gorilla based on some of the things that we've heard and some of the ways that they're um, that they're able to hide themselves and, um, and stay away from trail cameras that, and see when their little IR lights come on. It's so, so amazing. Some of the things that they do. So, um, yeah, I'm, uh, the, the jury's out, but I'm certainly not in fa- I'm not in favor of saying that, that it, it, it isn't a language unless I had the expertise more than someone who studied that. Uh, let's go with some parting shots tonight. I think, uh, we've tackled everything. Nathan, did you copy down this question for next week? Yeah. Let me take a quick screen grab of that. Yep. I did have a quick, uh, question that I wanted to throw out there. Um, so one thing that I've noticed as of late is that, um, sometimes people are getting a little weary of seeing the same people over and over talking about this topic. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I understand why it's happening. You know, they're the ones getting the invites. They're the ones that are being asked to come and speak more on the topic. And some of them are just the ones in the position to do so. Like, that's why they're there, because they have the ability to be public. Um, But my question is, who do you want to hear more from? Nathan. Yeah, that's that's a that's a really good one, Deb. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's a um, great question, Debs. <laughs> well, Leave it to Debs for the end, man. Let's do it. <laughs> I, I, so, I think part of me would say we want to hear more f- from the academics, um, because they're, you know, sort of our, our trained thought leaders. You know, that they're helping to sort of articulate our culture, our science. Uh, translate that into ways that um, distill it into ways that are understandable. But at the same time, there are some challenges with academics tackling this because the, the Academy is also kind of 
structured in a certain way it's it's in many ways it's sort of like the epitome of how reality is um you know it's it's um it embodies the the way that we look at the world and and the way that we identify what is fact or fiction truth or false the academy is kind of setting that tone so i i do think it's good but i do think you have to have a very um I don't know, a broad base. So I, I liked the idea of that, that nine-person panel with all those different sort of folks from different disciplines and whatnot, including you know theologians and philosophers. And uh, I would I would want to include an experiencer or two in there, someone that that it has just had an experience and they're translating the experience in the only way that they know how. You know, we need more of those folks who are brave enough to come forward. We need more, you know, Whitley Strebers. We need more people that can communicate this in a way that, that people will hear it. Um, yeah, I think as, as unfortunate as it is, although I think it's just part of the way the world we live in, people who are famous, you know, people who are famous, who, who would have the courage to say, I've had this experience and do that in an authentic and genuine way that could really help move the needle. Uh, but I, I don't know, Deb, I mean, to me, so much of this is so very personal and, um, you know, the more people talking about it is good, but I do worry a little bit that, you know, if, if we're looking to the same kinds of people that we always look to, to tell us what is true and false, that we're really not going to solve whatever that this happens to be. And, and to follow up from our discussion after the last show with Dr. Pasolka, we're going to put too much pressure on a person to be able to come up with the artful, cogent, learned answer that they may not even be equipped to do despite having a doctoral degree. You know, there's only so much that one person can know through their interviews uh, uh, with folks on the topic and they're even viewing pieces of material. It's very difficult to put that much pressure that this person has to know. You've got to spread that weight around. You saw what happened when you, you know, when you take force and you apply it in a pinpoint fashion down on even someone like Lou Elizondo, a person, a very stout person, you can sink that person. You have to spread that pressure out amongst a lot of different thought leaders, like you said. Debs. Oh, I'm answering my own question. Okay. Please. <laughs> yeah. I I wanna I wanna hear from the rest of the world i feel like our podcasts are not talking to the other groups um across the well not just the uk but across the pond but but you know there's italy uh south america has so many countries that are really into this topic chile um i want to say peru you know and when i when i did um the international effort on the ufo connector i just kept finding group after group in every country like eventually it was just so much that i had to stop because like there was just so much i just feel like people are missing the, the ball that like they're not getting how many other people are involved um i would like to open the conversations to everybody like i don't i don't want us to just hear the same people over and over again and i want more people to be brave about being that public face Deb, that, that is a great idea. Um, as usual, you come up with something that we didn't think of. I, I'll, I'll see if I can engage, and actually all three of us can engage with 
James Fox, and I think his guy's name is Antonio from Brazil, um, the guy that helped him out. And I'm, I could be wrong about that. It could be Luis. I'm trying to remember his name now. But if we can get a hold of that guy, I can get and we can get a Brazilian on who's experienced something somewhere that um, he can vet. I can get Katiani to come on and, and translate uh, if that person doesn't speak English. So, um, yeah, let's endeavor. And we could also, I could, if we can get someone from Chile uh, or something, I could, you know, even get her to translate Spanish um, as well. So, yeah, let, let's endeavor to do that to get some more international folks on. Or maybe if we can get, because um, Baptiste is, is a good friend of ours, Baptiste Fricourt, Fricourt. I don't know, Nathan, it's so difficult to do. It's pretty good. Um, it sounds so good when he says it. If we can, if we can get uh, him, then maybe I can. Uh, we can get him to translate for a French uh, experiencer. So I, I agree wholeheartedly, Deb. We need to spread it around. We can't apply all this pressure to, you know, four or five PhDs to give us all the answers. They just, they can't, and it's not fair uh, to them. They're doing a phenomenal job. No pun intended. Um, with uh, contextualizing uh, the, the topic as they've been able to study it uh, in the areas that they've been able to study it. And for that, I and I think we are extremely thankful, but there's only so much uh, that we can do. Uh, Duncan, real quickly. So uh, I will say this. We've had the honor and pleasure of interacting i have not seen nor heard bigfoot in the forest we have interviewed some people who have had multiple experiences people who have seen found foot tracks feces even the whole nine yards so I, it, it, it is a biological creature but at least on this show we're not close to the idea that that's all it is um there may be other components that are paranormal ghosts of creatures that once lived and now are dead they, they in my opinion have likely been abducted just like humans have if if these non-human intelligences wanted to explore humans and take dna and biological material to study um i don't know why they wouldn't also be interested in this large creature and see what it had as well so uh so I'm not saying it's not dimensional or anything like that, but it most certainly uh, I have heard from Pennsylvania hunters that have watched them uh, drive deer into a choke point, raising their arms overhead like Chewbacca and then having another Bigfoot ambush uh, and some very wow. um, not nice sounds of uh, killing those deer, breaking their legs in such a way that they couldn't run away while they go and get more deer. It's quite horrific. Uh, it's not the Harry and the Hendersons version of Bigfoot, uh, but it is how they eat. So it is very much a natural creature, but that's not, at least in the opinion of cabbies, it's not, ne and, and even Matt to that extent, and Matt has 20 plus years of field research in Bigfoot. Not necessarily that's all it is, but it certainly is a natural uh, biological creature that, we have seen, uh, they have seen killing raccoons and eating them, deer uh, and other, other elk, 
bear, um, and so forth. So horses and it's uh, hogs and, and everything else. So with that, uh, I think it's time to, uh, to say goodbye. Um, boy, what an awesome chat we had tonight, Nathan, with everybody, everybody coming in. Great questions. It's been fantastic. Uh, I'm really looking forward to doing these uh, as we go forward. Love the format. Really appreciate the participation from the audience. Yeah, It just makes a huge difference and uh, great questions. Really great questions. We could do this a lot longer and uh, that tells me we're doing a good job. We're having a good show. So looking forward to the next one and getting into these things in more detail. Debs. I wanted to say thank you to everyone who came and um, I'm just seeing a lot of really interesting things in the chat as we're talking yeah. like, oh, Japanese UFO researcher. Totally agree. I want to hear from them, too. Yes. Um, yes. So, and it and it's always, you know, inspiring when people work together on this topic. And I hope that, um, you know, people who come to see us see that that's one of our big goals, that we just work together and stay positive and unfractured. Thank you. Hey, yeah. Good night. Uh, good night, Jonathan. I know you guys got to go and boo and, and Duncan. Thank you so much for hanging in there. Um, Deb. Yeah. If you would uh, see what you can do, I know you've had people reach out to you. If you can get somebody on uh, whether they speak English or not, we will look for a translator in that language. We, you know, we have our friend from, from Canada that speaks French. So yeah, see what you can do in that regard. Uh, and let's get somebody from somewhere else on that we can um, we can do that uh, and 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 get a, a more international flavor on the show. I would love that. Um, yeah, please, uh, if you'll take a moment to give us a like, to subscribe to the show on YouTube, to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast purveyor. And if we are not on one that you like, let us know and I can share the stream with that. We're probably going to be moving to a new podcast purveyor ourselves pretty soon but it will be um transparent to you so thank you everybody for joining us on uh exploring the unknown stuff we don't know nothing about <laughs> but we're going to try and figure it out together and together we are a hell of a lot smarter than we are as individuals so for nathan for debs this is dj saying peace out and for jules hang in there jules that's right peace one love um we'll see you down the road and of course we're always wondering what's up around the bend <laughs>